Hi, this is Jim Quick, and I have a quick update for you. I'm proud to announce my very first book, Limitless, Upgrade Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster, and Unlock Your Exceptional Life. This book is not only based on the latest neuroscience, it is field tested for over 28 years of working with some of the most amazing minds on our planet. Just go to LimitlessBook.com and enjoy this book. Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain. Your question is, how do you manage your stress response for higher brain performance? Now, this is something I know we get a lot of messages about in our private Facebook group on social media. People are so concerned because we live in turbulent times and we know that you hear, Jim, you know, one of your 10 keys for having your limitless brain is to be able to manage your stress. And you talk about how chronic stress has been shown to shrink your brain and we're always in this fight or flight and what can we do about it? So on the show, we have a guest, Dr. Gregory Kelly. He's a naturopathic physician. He's a product formulator. He's an author. And thank you, Greg. Thanks for being here. Oh, wow. Talk about this thing called stress. Sure, sure. So I'm going to jump right in and share one of my mental models for stress with your listeners. So um, when I was a kid, late 60s, one of the games my parents got us for Christmas was called the, like the last draw, like the camel game is sometimes what it's gone by. And basically, it was a little brown plastic camel with um, two buckets on either side. Um, you spun a wheel, depending what color, you would take a, a plastic straw of that color and put it into the the bucket on your side and then the other team would go and you would just go back and forth and then at some point you know maybe it was the blue straw you put in and the back broke so when i think of stress my analogy is think of the camel game right we all have an ability to carry a certain amount of weight a number of straws and so i would say that's our resilience right so we want to do things to build resilience which we'll get back to and then we're all carrying a certain amount of straws in our buckets. And ultimately, we want to make sure that there's plenty of room so that some inadvertent straw getting added in isn't the last straw that breaks the back. Mm -hmm. And the like, interesting thing, a lot of languages have an analogy, something like that last straw that breaks the camel's back, right? Like that's just a, a piece of wisdom that seems like it's in many languages. And so the question then becomes, okay, there's going to be some straws in our bucket that frankly, we all share, you know, maybe 5G or EMF or, you know, you live in New York City, I live in San Diego, there's going to be some shared straws that, you know, maybe it's pollution that we can't really do much about. And what we can do is add another straw in the bucket worrying about them would be in my, right, because we can't remove those straws. So the only possibility is to like, you know, um, ruminate about them, which on its own is going to add more weight. But then at any given point, almost all of us will have some straws that we can remove. And I'm a big fan of Hans Selye's work with stress. And one of his take home messages was by far 
the heaviest draws would be the mental emotional ones. Mm. So to me, if I was troubleshooting with an individual, the first thing I'm going to zero in on, let's see if we can find the heaviest mental emotional straws and figure a way to get those out of your bucket. It's, it's interesting because when you're saying those are the, the two that really can break the camel's back, you know, metaphorically, some people actually view emotional and mental anguish or pain as less traumatic than maybe physical pain. But it's, but it's, I think, even more common, and it's very hard for some people, for all of us to bear. It's much easier to say socially, um, my knee hurts or my head hurts than it is to say my, my heart or my spirit is broken, right? And that frequent attempt to hide or suppress that, that internal stress or that pain can, as you said, further increase the burden and the weight that we're carrying. And, you know, what, what can we do to get help or process, be able to get it out? Because you, you have to, like, you don't, if you want to fly, you have to let go of what weighs you down because it's not all, of, it's not all ours to carry. Correct. Yep. And I, I think, um, I think physical pain is just more obvious and it's, I think, more socially acceptable, like to, you know, express that, you know, like I'm having, having knee pain, right? Like that's why I can't go out and run with you guys. Um, where, you know, I don't know that our culture or our vocabulary supports as much in terms of the, you know, emotional pain. So, but, um, you know, and not that physical pain is insignificant, but, you know, often it's the hidden straws that are the ones we're not dealing with that are the ones that'll buy us the most. If we can take, you know, steps or follow methods that will get rid of those. And so first of it is identifying the ones we have influence or control over and the ones we don't because the ones we can't, you know, that whole adage is, you know, if you, if, if, if you can do something about it, you know, you don't have to worry. And if you can't do anything about it, you shouldn't worry. But that kind of idea of um, identifying the things that we could have impact on and the ones we don't. And then where do you go from there? Yeah, so I, I think just before, you know, stepping forward, like to me, that's the idea of the camel's back, right? There's some degree of resilience and building more resilience means we'll be able to carry more weight. So like, I'm completely confident my body, my story is, so my mental model is my body can deal with a lot of straws. I don't have to get it straw free for my body to be a high performer. So I'm, you know, not at all thinking like I need to clear out the basket. What I do feel is important is that you never know when the last straw might come in. Like, and maybe it's, you know, maybe something happens to a loved one unexpectedly or like, you know, life is going to add straws without us having a lot of force, um, foreknowledge of it. So my goal would be the ones that I can identify, let me figure those out and take those out, make sure there's ample room that if one does get added and even a pretty big one it's not going to cause the back to collapse. Because what happens um, when I dealt with patients, this was quite common, they would be able to identify that last straw as the tipping point that caused their health to spiral down into like a poor place. But dealing with that straw wouldn't have been enough to heal the back at that point, right? Then you like to get more healthy, then you often have to deal with a whole bunch of straws. Mm. You know, so it's much better to make sure that the back never collapses is, I guess, the, the message for the audience. So um, that said, to me, the, um, 
I like the idea of congruence and incongruence for life, especially like in a mental emotional sense. So there was a movie late nineties with Denzel Washington, Courage Under Fire, which I'm sure some of your audience would have seen, but the gist of the story was he was a tank um, commanding officer. I think it was the first Gulf War in the early nineties and um, friendly fire, one of his best friends got killed. And the army at the time said, you can't tell his parents like what really happened. That's and so his character becomes um, challenged with alcohol, basically you become an alcoholic. So um, since they can't give him a better job to do and he's high ranking, they give him this case to investigate to award a, a medal. And it's supposed to be just a rubber stamp, like da da da. And so the gist of it is this one um, woman, Meg Ryan is her character, um, died in combat and, um, and the story by her platoon or a group of people was one thing. And as the movie unfolds, and, and I won't give a bunch of spoilers, but you find out that their stories are, are congruent with what really happened. There's a big gap between what they say happened and what really happened. And so one of the characters becomes uh, addicted to heroin. Another one gets stomach ca cancer, which my metaphor for that would be, you know, something's literally eating him up inside. Um, a third one ultimately I don't, well, I won't give more sports, but the, like for me watching that movie at that point in time, what occurred to me is like, there's a huge congruence gap between their story of what happened and what they know in their heart happened. And when that congruent gap is high, you invariably often see health suffer. And so to me, one of the things I always look for is like, is there some incongruency here? And it could be small, it could be massive, like in that case. But if there is, closing that gap can be super impossible or super important for getting rid of that straw. What would be an example of that? So like a, like a super like low level one, when um, at one point in the 90s, I spent six years as a vegetarian. So for me eating a, like a Big Mac would have been incongruent my younger brother, 13 years younger, was in college. He lived at McDonald's. So it, like the McDonald's hamburger wasn't probably great for either of us, you know, compared to something else we might've eaten instead, but it would have been way more incongruent for me than him, mm. right? And so like what we believe, and this would get into your limitless framework, like some of these, you know, incongruencies, we're gonna, Im, you know, essentially imprint on ourselves based on our story, but like, a, like for me, an acid test of a big one would be, is there a gap in how I'm showing up in the world, some story I'm telling the world that's vastly different and could it harm someone else? Because that's when it gets to be just, you know, instead of the hamburger to like a huge potential problem. So that would be one. Another one I've seen um, to me that's huge is anything we ruminate about. If our brain's constantly going back and for lack of a better way to say it, thinking about something that's that thinking about it is chewing up our bandwidth. It's just going to be a big straw and doing something, which often in your uh, methods would be making a decision is the key to shut that down. So, you, and often it could be as simple as I have all these old clothes. What should I do with them? You know, should I keep them? Maybe I'm going to lose weight and I'll fit back into them. <laughs> should I give them to goodwill? Should, what should I do? And literally making any decision is like removing that straw. And so, and that, and that's great because that 
that helps to mitigate the, the level of stress. In sure. our, what about, you mentioned this word resilience. And so it's not just about identifying the straws and seeing which ones you have agency of, but it's also building, is it possible to build resilience? I, I'm a, I absolutely believe so, yes. And I think that's where using exercise to build fitness comes in. So like we could use exercise to train, to do a marathon or to excel in a sport or a race. Um, that's what I would term as specific fitness. Like we're using that to excel in one narrow area and some degree of the fitness we build there will translate into other areas. But there's also non-specific fitness. So our ability, no matter what new thing we're challenged to, to respond better to it. And so I think having a mix of exercises, some weight training, something for endurance, but not crazy high amounts of endurance, mm -hmm. you know, something for balance and flexibility, that, that triangle creates resilience. And especially when we allow like the space between exercise. So like your spaced learning um, approach. So that would be one. Sleep's another. Like I think, you know, lack of sleep, I would th think of as a straw, but good quality sleep obviously builds resilience. Um, I think of, you know, um, adaptogens. I don't know if that's a term that your audience would be familiar with, but like the Soviet Union um, a long time ago, studied different plants. Most of them came out of um, either the uh, Soviet Union, the Balkans, or all through China, Korea. But adaptogen compounds were things that build nonspecific resistance. So they essentially let us be more resilient no matter what stress. So adaptogens just can be a huge boon if used appropriately. And I usually think of adaptogens aren't more is better just like exercise isn't, and they're not like do this every day for the rest of my life. They're a uh, take for a little bit. They, well, my story would be, I use them like exercise. So, you know, I might train with weights three or four times a week, a week, but make sure I have then time to recover and then periodically do a deloading week where I, you know, either go really lightweight for that week or take a vacation. So I think of adaptogens, that would be how I would use them. Okay. And what are, what are some of the most common adaptogens? Um, I think ginseng by far is the most well-known, but the Soviets did a ton of work on schizandra. And um, you can only find that work really in Russian literature. It's almost nothing in our PubMed on schizandra, but schizandra is an awesome one. Um, they considered some mushrooms like reishi, as an example, is one. Um, um, like I think personally, like, certain adaptogens can be almost tissue specific. So out of the European tradition, Hawthorne is a great adaptogen for the heart. So like when we were getting to that um, mental emotional, I, I think Hawthorne as being one that can fit in that bucket, if that's an area to work on, maybe more appropriate for you than a ginseng as an example. Mm. But there's, there's lots, and you don't have to do the same one all the time. You can vary them. But like adaptogens would be another category of things. And then meditation would be something that I think just builds some degree of mental emotional resilience, especially. Wow. So exercise, um, also sleep, meditation, adaptogens help you to be able to, to build some resilience so you have a more powerful empowering stress response. So your brain and the rest of your body can perform the way it's supposed to. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, like the most 
the first thing affected with stress for most people is going to be brain function. At least that's my you know experience. I don't know if it matches yours. It definitely does. Usually when people are stressed and they go in that fight or flight, it's not, it's not like they could, they're more creative or that they could solve this problem or their, their memory is better because of it. But certainly stress has, has that impact. Um, Dr. Greg, thank you so much for, for taking time to, to join us on this episode. I encourage everybody to take a screenshot and, uh, and post your, what's, what's your go-to for coping with stress? Where do you go to be able to manage the stress response so you can perform and, uh, and be at your best? And Greg, where can people find out more about you? Um, I write for neurohacker.com and in my book, Shapeshift, I, one of my chapters was on stress and I talked about the, you know, the last draw and the camel game and a lot of the principles that I think we can apply to improve our resiliency. Amazing. So in the show notes, we'll put a link uh, to your blog, also to your book as well at jimquick.com forward slash notes. And uh, thank you everybody for listening. And Greg, thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. It was awesome. Thanks, Jim. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our Quick Success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. 
This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for a one hour uh, share, going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.